coming up on the Tall Mike Wine Podcast. Janet and I shared a hug when she first arrived. Yes. It's probably only the (laughs) second or third hug I've given to anybody in a year and a half. She's very talented and knows a lot of people. That's the key in Hollywood. That's right. I know some people. (laughs) I know some people. Let's take a meeting. They had fruit wine. What Um, kind of fruit wine was there? Lollaberry wine. Cranberry (laughs) wine. It's starting to sound like the 1970s. You know, I'm crazy. You know, you know that, Mike, right? <laughs> you know that from talking to me. And now, the Tall Mike Wine Podcast. The cell phones have been silenced. The wine is in the glasses, just poured. Please join us as we sip. And just like that, the podcast begins. The Tall Mike Wine Podcast. The podcast people are talking about in 16 countries on five continents. We cracked the code and are now in Australia, Brazil, Italy, and Germany. And in 34 of these United States, major cities like Olathe, Kansas, Pinole, California, Hamtramck, Michigan, Tuckwilla, Washington, and Boonville, Mississippi. Wherever you are, thanks so much for taking some time for our humble wine and chat show we will attempt to amuse. My name is Mike Stone, speaking to you from the Vintner's Room at Nicholson Ranch Winery in Sonoma, California, a small production winery, but great in many, many ways. My guest today is someone who sells wine for a living. She doesn't own a wine store or work in a winery. She works in distribution. This means she sells the wine you see when you go to the wine shops, the stores, and once again to the restaurants. The vast majority of the wines you see out in the world are placed there mainly by these people, distributors or brokers. We'll find out how that all works and if it's any fun because we're all about fun here. But also my guest is a filmmaker. You didn't see that coming, did you? She made a short film that was released last year and went out on the festival circuit. Let's get into the conversation. My guest is Janet Dyer. Hi, Janet. Hi. Thank you for having me. (laughs) This is so fun. My pleasure. How is life? Oh, life's good. It's a big relief. I'm all vaccinated, and you are, and we can hug people. Janet and I shared a hug when she first arrived. Yes, absolutely. It's probably only the (laughs) second or third hug I've given to anybody in a year and a half. Beautiful weather here, too. This is a beautiful, beautiful winery. We are recording on a Wednesday afternoon in, what is this, the middle of May. It's beautiful. It's about 80 degrees. We're about to sip some nice white wine to cool off. All right, Janet, you made this film. You wrote it? I wrote it with my business partner in Lotus Wine Films. Okay. And did you direct it also? No. no. She directed it. Okay. She is a veteran producer, writer in the film industry and directs, and she's very talented and knows a lot of people, Okay, which is good. That's the key in Hollywood. That's right. I know some people. <laughs> I know some people. <laughs> Let's take a meeting. <laughs> That's right. So I wanted to see it when you sent it out last year, and I didn't get around to it. Then when we booked you for the show, I was ambivalent about watching because a part of me wanted to learn about it from you as we chat. So tell me what the film is about and how it came to be. First of all, it's called Corked. Okay. The short film is called Corked, 
And the feature film is called Corked. That's all copywritten and everything. Don't try to <laughs> steal it. We own it. Don't try to steal it. <laughs> That's Corked. Right. So I'm guessing... It's a film about wine. That's right. Okay. It's a film about wine. It was shot in November of 2019. We got delayed by the fires by two weeks. And it was shot at Fopiano Vineyards, which still looks like the 70s. So it's the 70s, which is when I started. When you started working I, in wine. Yeah. Okay. I worked at a winery and Fopiano was one of the first wines I sold. Let me tell you, it's not easy finding a winery that looks like it did in the 70s, but they do. So and, the movie is set in the 70s in yeah. the wine industry in California. Right. What is the basic story? It is my story of being a woman working in the wine business, starting in the wine business at a winery. What I went through, starting in wine. So this is autobiographical. It is autobiographical. But is it based on your story? Yes, it is. So it's like, a, it's a work of fiction. Yes. But based on your experiences. Correct. So tell me about wine, the wine business in the 70s. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know if we have enough time. All right. But, but the California wine industry was not <laughs> as big as it is now. Not even no. close. Then I could name all of the wineries. There were, I think, 25. <laughs> Wait, all the wineries, <laughs> Can you all the wineries in the whole state? Uh-huh. Whoa. Yeah, there were about 25 wineries when I started. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. I worked my way through school. Mm -hmm. at UCSB okay. in Santa Barbara, and I worked at a winery, and they hired me because I grew up in Petaluma. And I could tell tourists how to get here to Sonoma County. <laughs> so I asked them. I used to do invoicing, and I ran the tasting bar in the retail room, and I asked them if I could go sell wine for a day. Go sell wine yeah, out in the world. In the world. To restaurants, to, to wine San, shops. To, to retail shops in Santa Maria because my brother-in-law at the time worked for a beer distributor and he gave me a few accounts that I could go to. Wow. So you just took it upon yourself. I sure did. And they were not, they were <laughs> not selling wine outside of the winery at that point? They were. They were selling wine outside of the winery, but I saw what the salesman was and wasn't doing. And of course, <laughs> at the time, I was told I could never go into the analogy lab. I couldn't look at the records. I couldn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. So of course, when nobody was around, I did. And I looked at everything. I read everything I could. I, they had fruit wine. I looked at the blends of the fruit wine. What um, kind of fruit wine was there? They made Olala berry wine. <laughs> <laughs> cranberry wine, oh. mead. Oh, you wouldn't believe how much sugar's in that. <laughs> it's starting to sound like the 1970s. It was the 1970s. It was a lot of fun working in that tasting room, I've got to say. So the the movie, which is based on your story, talks about how hard it was to be a woman in the wine industry Absolutely. back in the day. So after that, I had a, a manager at the time 
in the tasting room a woman who was in a tasting group. And she pulled me into this tasting group. The tasting group consisted of Jim Clendenin, who wow. just passed just away. Passed. Bob Lindquist, who owned Coupe. Right. My first tasting was a tasting of a bunch of Sauternes from 1971. And we had to kick in like $20 each for this because the wines were expensive. Sauternes back then was yeah. even expensive. So 1971, if you could even touch it now, I'm sure those it wines would are out be there. a down payment on a house. I'm sure those wines are out there still, <laughs> and but I, <laughs> it'd be more than $20 to enjoy the tasting. And of course, I was 21, I guess, maybe 22. And I said, ew, it's so sweet. You know, I think I like the Olala berry better. I mean, they're like, get her out of here and don't bring her back. <laughs> All right. So that, that maybe didn't go so great. But I went on to work for a small wholesaler and a broker. I handled Santa Barbara County and Ventura County. And at the time, there were two women selling wine in Santa Barbara County. One worked for Gallo, the other Inglenook, the wow. Inglenook distributor. And then there was me with the fine wine. And I worked in Ventura County. I was the first woman to sell wine wholesale in Ventura County. Blazing the trail. Yes, blazing the trail. So I was very young in the 70s, yeah, too young to really understand how the world worked. Were you encountering just blatant male chauvinism wherever you went? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Unbelievable. And just, some of that stuff made it into the feature film. Okay, good. Yeah, good. yeah. So we're talking about a male-dominated industry, whether it's wine retail or restaurants or anything. The men control the wine lists or the shelves, and there are men coming there selling the wine. So Absolutely. Total domination. My boss had given me a briefcase and it was like a big square kind of looking like a suitcase. Okay. And at the time, the shops all sold cigarettes. You know, people used to go around. There were some women selling cigarettes. It looked like a briefcase that you would put cartons of cigarettes in. So when I walked into a shop, they're like, oh, do you have any Winstons or, you know... <laughs> comes another cigarette girl with her box full of cigarettes. <laughs> it was really funny. And I said, I sell wine. Everybody would stop. You know, the owner, the, the clerks, there would always be about four of them. And they're like, you what? You sell wine? As they got to know me, They'd say, hey, the wine chick's here. You know? <laughs> okay. And I'd say, that's right. I grew up in Petaluma. Chickens, you know? <laughs> Let me invite you to the butter and egg parade. Yeah, that's right. That's wow. right. It's pretty fascinating to think about the times that we have left behind for the most part. I mean, I think it's still pretty difficult for women in the wine industry. I think so. But things have, a lot of things have changed. Yes, a lot of things have changed. Absolutely. I have to taste this screener now. Yes. So we're sipping a white wine. The first wine is a wine that Janet brought with her today. It's a Gruner Veltliner, but it's not from Austria. It's from the state of Oregon. Yes, and it's grown near Mount Hood from a winery called Shenan, which is S-I-N-E-N. A-N-N. -N. 
I've always seen that label and wondered. Yeah, how it was you have pronounced. to think Sinead O'Connor or Shin Fan, you know, okay. S I N Gaelic. So we're talking about some Irish people making this. Yeah, one that's in right. Oregon. Irish origin. So of course they globbed onto me and I globbed onto them. I'll have it all written in the show notes and <laughs> right. a, a link, a link to the winery, right. of course. So what do you think of this wine? Well, I think it's really great. It's got a lovely weight to it that you don't get from Austria. Usually they're a little more acidic, a little brighter from Austria. This is from Pear Blossom Vineyard. And I think just that power of suggestion of pear, it's got a little pear edge, doesn't it? I was thinking it? green apple. But when you said pear blossom, I started thinking about honey and pears. And this this almost has that thing going on. It, it almost tastes like it has a tiny little bit of residual sugar, does it? It, it does, but it okay. doesn't. <laughs> it does, but it doesn't? Yeah. It's delicious, <laughs> isn't is it? it? <laughs> and by the way, Shanann is not the old Gaelic. It's not the new Gaelic, but it's the middle Gaelic, and it means this is it. That's what the word Shanann means? It means yes, this, this is it. Shanann. 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 Not like Shazam. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Now <laughs> you'll it. remember it. All right. <laughs> this is a Gruner of Aldliner from 2019, so it is, uh, it's nice and fresh. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but it's got yes. just a hint of sweetness to it. So I'm thinking Thai food. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Some with a little kick. Absolutely. There's a Thai place I go to in, in Nevada, which is where I live. I get what they call the spicy pepper lamb. Oh, it's that would be perfect. Really delicious chunks of lamb that they must marinate for days and days and days in something. Wow. And then they sear it and toss it with veggies and some kind of sauce. Well, so it's got a little kick to it, a little spice, but this would be so nice to just cut right through it. I don't think we'll go through this bottle. You should go get some of that Thai food and take that <laughs> bottle for <laughs> maybe with you. All right. So the film Corked. Corked. Currently, it is a short film that lives in the world of short films. Yes. What happened is it's just the film circuit, the the short film circuit, or the film festivals mm -hmm. are just ending. Right. So we are going to launch our website with the film so that people will be able to see it. Okay. And that should be soon. But for now, you can follow us on Facebook, Cork to the Film, and on Twitter. Cork yeah. to the Film? Mm -hmm. All one word? Yeah, or Corked Film. Yep. Corked Film. Just, just look it up. We're on Twitter and Facebook. All right. So it's a look into the wine business from more of a winery perspective in the 1970s. No, no? it's from a woman's perspective. Oh, okay. <laughs> At a winery. <laughs> I watched the trailer. There's a lot of winery footage there. It was crazy when I entered the wine industry. But, but you're still in the wine I'm industry. I'm still which, in the wine which industry. Which says a lot about you. Yeah. And hopefully it says a lot about the wine industry. <laughs> yes. Because yes. obviously if you're still doing it, it must be working for you. Well, the short film, thanks to Lori's brilliance and vision and we went to a um editor called e-film out of uh hollywood who edited it and put a filter on it it gives you a feel 
Okay. Of the 70s. I was going to say, the trailer, I've seen the trailer yeah. multiple times. Yeah. It has that, what do they call that? Like sepia tone. That's right. Is that, is that McGill yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's sepia, but not quite. Like, if you look at Cotton Club from For, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, okay. that's definitely done in sepia tones. Okay. All right. This one is a filter. It just gives you the feeling. Yeah, I mean, the, if the you focus look at, is a little softer. That's right. You know, you don't feel like you're watching a thing in... In uh, high definition, where you can see everybody's pores, right? You know? Exactly. Like, no, that's the way it looked in the 1970s. Yeah, you know, like when you go right. to your mom's house and you pull a, bo- a shoebox full of old pictures out, right? They look so much different, right? Than the picture. Well, we don't even have pictures in shoeboxes anymore. That's than right. the pictures you see on your phone on Instagram. <laughs> that's it. And we wanted to add. And we did add to the short film, the music okay. of that time, which is great. We had two well-known actors. We had Eric Lutz, who is a friend of Lori's, and she directed him in another short film. He's a working actor. You'd recognize him. We have Jimmy Fails who is last black man in San Francisco. Okay. And we got him. Because our DP uh, lived across the street from him. He liked the script. He was interested. And he was my son's skateboard buddy. And he was writing Corked at the time. And so I got to see Jimmy. He's got a huge following. Last Black Man in San Francisco. Have you seen it? I have not, but I know it's a it's a big indie film. It's and, still on the list. So indie. eventually there will be a corked full-length feature motion picture. Correct. And you said something, the script has been nominated for an award already. We are a finalist in the Big Apple Film Festival, which is going on today oh. and tomorrow. So if the script is in a finalist for a competition then and it wins, then obviously somebody people are going to rush to make it, right? Yeah, you, you would hope so. People with lots of money in their pockets are going to say, yes, I'll fund this movie. You would hope so. I'll fund so. this movie. Yeah. Keep me posted. <laughs> I will. Janet, yeah. were you inspired by some of the great films about wine to make this film? I'm not quite sure if I was inspired. There's a lot of films with <laughs> wine in them. I, I was looking online like, okay, we should talk about some movies that feature wine. I haven't seen most of them because, you know, if, it, if, if it's a movie and it has wine in it, they usually get it wrong. Right. Which is my experience with of most course. things that you get close to and then there's a movie about what you do and you're right. like that's total bullshit right <laughs> right like we could talk about bottle shock bottle shock yeah. it's on my list here yeah, i actually okay. saw that i thought you know it was kind of cheesy it was entertaining but the, you know it had a happy ending and what was that guy's name uh chris pine was in it yeah and you know and it, and it talked about the judgment of paris it right. got the facts and figures Pretty, pretty right. Right. So I thought that was an okay wine movie. The thing that bugged me about it, What's it was that? like the main actor, the guy that played Steven Spurrier. Right. I judged for 20 years for San Francisco International Wine Competition. I judged with Steven a few times. I loved Steven's. He was wonderful. Why did they have that actor instead of Hugh Grant? You know, you, he was like the <laughs> cutest Englishman. 
have Hugh Grant. The guy that played him passed away, so I don't want to say anything bad about him. He was um, not the right guy. Okay, to you, just, you just didn't think that casting no, was great No, I decision. didn't think the casting was great. Mm. I thought it was entertaining and cute. Now, Sideways... Which okay, is that's the also on my list. Biggie. That's one uh, of the bigger wine movies. Right. And I thought Sideways was, uh, aside from a, a fun movie about a couple guys on a wine tasting trip, Right, that was I hilarious. I thought Sideways was a classic buddy movie. Oh, I agree. You know, a movie about these guys and their friendship. And it could have been set with them having a weekend doing almost anything. They just happened right. to focus on wine. Which was cool. They went into Santa Barbara. I agree. I thought it was a lot of fun. I worked with a guy who consulted on the wine for that movie. And at the time, I basically specialized as an independent contractor. I now work for two companies. I used to work for six. (laughs) And I had mostly Pinot Noir. My business went up 45%. So thank you very much. Wow. However... Some people had to rip out Merlot, and that was very unfortunate. Yeah, people mention that here, because we do have some Merlot. We do grow a couple of acres of Merlot. People say, oh, that movie Sideways, I bet it killed your Merlot. I said, well, it might have killed Merlot, but it did great things for Pinot. That's right. And, and I think at one point in that movie, the production of that movie, they just needed a thing that people in the wine business or wine people in general, were ranting about at that time. Mm -hmm. And Merlot was having its moment of being ultra popular and then ultra overproduced by corporate America. And it kind of lost its identity and turned into this, this uh, sort of soccer mom wine. And I think that was the, that was the intent of that rant. Merlot, there's just too much Merlot. Everybody's sick of Merlot. And I think they probably left that part of the script blank. And then when they were getting ready to film that scene, they called somebody up in the wine business like, all right, what are you guys pissed off about? And somebody says, oh, goddamn Merlot. Yeah. Now, if they did the same thing today, Mm -hmm. they had it all set to go. The script is written, except there's a little blank spot there where the rant is coming, and they were getting ready to film that scene with the rant, and they called me. I'd say, rosé all day. (laughs) Go ahead. Let him have it. No kidding, huh? (laughs) Rosé all day. I'm not going to drink any fucking (laughs) rosé. But I could drink it all day long. Okay. You know, the thing with corked, I have to say, it's going to be really good for the wine business in general. Okay. Imports too. Did you ever see A Walk in the Clouds? Oh, I think I did. The one about France. Keanu? Yeah, and and it was a love story. A love story set in uh, post-prohibition. I want to say it was set in post-prohibition Napa, but I don't know. I never saw it. It was one of those Keanu Reeves movies. I saw the trailer. I'm like, yeah, I can't compete with that. (laughs) I don't need to see that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not in the forefront of my memory. It was so. from the nineties. Okay, we talked about Bottle Shock. Did you ever see A Good Year with Russell Crowe? A Good Year. You know, I'm not sure. I did <laughs> with Russell. These, these movies Crow? come and go. These movies come and go. Um, yeah, that's uh, right. of course Wine Country. The uh, chick flick with all the funny ladies. Oh God, I saw that. Oh, that to me, God. it was like. So many cliches. I, All the cliches. Oh, I wanted to like it so I, much. I was I looking just forward to hated it. it. All I could do was watch the trailer and I was oh, like, okay, I don't need to see this movie. This I looks just, terrible. It was awful. 
What about the Psalm movies? Psalm and Son of Psalm and the other Son of Psalm, the one they don't talk about. Yeah. They should have some women in those movies, don't you think? Probably so. Yeah. 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 There's something about that whole... I mean, I have friends that have studied and gone up the ladder, and it's all very serious and really cool, and I root for them. Uh But seeing a whole movie about people that I don't know that are doing that same thing, it just, it's, there's no appeal for me. I know. And then it just kind of makes wine culture. God. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, the last movie that I wrote down here. This, this, you're going to have to look this up because this is hilarious. It's a horror movie called The Vineyard. And it's a it's a horror movie revolving around a, a vintner who uses the blood of his victims to make wine. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look for it for sure. I've got to tell you about one more. All right. And I I live in San Francisco, and I have gone to uh, completely Chinese. DVD shops looking okay. for this movie because I saw it in the 90s on KQED. And it was a movie, a Chinese movie about a vineyard worker, a winery in China around World War II. And this woman was married off to this owner of the vineyard who was really old, you know, a week after they were married, he died and she had all these vineyard okay. workers. <laughs> and this is a movie she that's fell in Chinese. In love with one of them and they were low one, one vintage on the quantity of wine. So they all peed in the barrels. It was like, <laughs> no. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh you had God. me. You had and me it was up to that point. All subtitled, and I can't find it. You had me so up if to that anybody point. out there knows, <laughs> it's our secret ingredient. It was such a good movie. When so, do you think it was made? It was in the nineties. It was great. Maybe somebody will send me an email. Yeah, maybe but somebody some will. Hopefully, film buff. Yeah, some Chinese Get this podcast film going in Hong Kong or something. <laughs> I don't have anybody listening in China, Damn. but there is somebody listening in South Korea. Okay, so close. Let's talk about your day job a little bit. Okay, wine distribution. We talked about how you got into that in the 1970s, which is amazing. Yes. Um, who do you work for now? I work for Northwest Wines. Okay. And we specialize in Oregon, Washington, and Germany. What's the guy's name? Is it Tom? Tom. Tom, Tom Elliott. I Tom work Elliott. With, I've worked for Tom Elliott. I met Tom a million years ago in San Francisco. <laughs> and the reason I was so excited when I met him was, of course, I'm from Seattle. Yeah. And my first wine epiphanies came in the Columbia Valley in, in, in Yakima in the Tri-Cities, Washington. So I'm in San Francisco working in restaurants, feeling like a total fish out of water. And in walks Tom, and he hands me his car, Northwest wine oh yeah i don't know if he remembers that. isn't that funny but i've I been with that. him for 21 years That's already amazing. oh my god and i work for shivrick imports okay david shivrick he's wonderful and his daughter works for him she's wonderful and they're very much like northwest wines they handle small lesser known properties of really good quality. A lot of them are sustainable or organic. It's French, 
Portuguese, Italian, they're just all wonderful and they're well priced and you know, I like working for those small small guys. And your territory is San Francisco? And Marin. And Marin County, just yeah, north of the yeah. city where I live. I've kind of had this huge wealth of experience. I did own part of a distributorship called Adventures in Wine. I owned a quarter of it and I brought in you'll love this. I brought in I brought in uh, it took me three months to to talk my former partner into bringing in Leonetti, Leonetti. into the state. Yeah, so I brought Leonetti in. I brought Shanann in. Okay. I brought Owen Rowe in. So I love doing that kind of thing, finding really unknown, really beautiful properties. Right. I think I was probably the first person well, at least in the West, to bring in Uruguayan wines, which I don't think turned into a huge hit. That sounds like a lot of great rewarding experiences uh, in your longtime career as a wine uh, salesperson. Tell me about the hardest part of the job. I, I think maybe some of the hardest parts are sometimes dealing with buyers who you want to kick. Sure. And you imagine that and do it in your head. I always want to ask people that are in the wine sales business about this. How many miles do you put on your car every year? Uh, um, how many miles? Because it's just a day of driving and driving and driving and exactly. visiting here and visiting there. I mean, the city's not very big, but still, you're driving all over the city well, and then into Marin, which is a few yeah. miles away across the Golden Gate Bridge. Right. I put with my accountant, I have to go through that at least 12,000, 15,000. Oh, it doesn't sound shocking. It's not horrible. Not horrible. But yeah. I think you should have some of the red wine. Oh, I should. That I have brought. I should. Here, let me. A 2010 Celoli Chianti Classico. I love Celoli Chianti <laughs> Classico is what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. Oh, there we go. All right. I brought nice. this from my uh, my home stash. Nice. I don't have a cellar. I have a big wine rack. It's big and people that don't know anything about wine or don't drink wine come into the house and they say, oh, you have so much wine. <laughs> And I say, I get thirsty sometimes. I love Chianti Classico after a long flight. Because? It, it brings me back down to earth. Well, this is very earthy smelling wine. Mm-hmm. This uh, is a 2010 vintage Chianti Classico. Uh, Chianti this is, is delicious. A big region in, in Tuscany. Chianti Classico is the meat of it right in the center. The name of the winery is San Fabiano Calcinaia, and this wine is called Celloli. And the first thing I thought when I held my nose up to it was, mm, tree, mm. tree bark. Good year, too. <laughs> it's got some nice tree bark on the nose, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Mm, definitely. This is delicious. It's definitely spent some time in barrel. Oh, yeah. You can, smell the, you can smell the barrel, for I sure. Sh- I should have brought some cheese. Mm, that'd be nice. There's cheese in the next room. <laughs> Raid the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) The thing with Sangiovese, Mm. the main grape in Chianti, and and this is 90% Sangiovese, 
is that there's always that kind of cherry tomato smell. Yes. But this one has so much more stuff going on. This is not right. a light, thin, uh, spaghetti red sort of Chianti. This Mm-mm. is the good stuff. This one's thick and chewy. This is thick and chewy, and it's got some really nice herbs, like even basil. Yeah. It's really good. This is This is definitely like not the spaghetti red. This is more like the... Lamb shank mm-hmm. with polenta, you know, oh, something yeah. hearty, yeah, something really hearty with a thick sauce. With some gnocchi, a gnocchi would be nice with bolognese sauce. That sounds great. Oh yeah, yum. Yep. This one is uh, is definitely full bodied, not medium bodied, not medium <laughs> to full. It's full bodied. This is a big wine. Yeah, we might finish this. All right, Janet. You're on the podcast. Is this your first appearance on a podcast? It is my first appearance on the podcast, and I'm so <laughs> thrilled to be here. <laughs> do you do you listen to podcasts? Do you have any favorites? I don't. Okay. <laughs> it's a thing, you know. I mean, I started hearing people talk I'm about podcasts. I'm listening to you now. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm yeah. Sure. No, do you? Do you? I, I have to- a few favorites. Um, Alec Baldwin does a podcast I'm kind of a fan of. He does? He has a podcast. Really? It's called Here's the Thing. <laughs> <laughs> and he introduce, he interviews other celebrities. Wow. And it's actually pretty interesting. He's got a great, uh, he's got a great inquisitive style. I, see, it's just, you know, I'm a baby boomer. Right. And I'm a little slow getting on. Intel everything, right, but right. once I do, I do. Well, I really get into the it. The thing about podcasts is it's so based on having the phone in your hand and looking at it and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And uh-huh. that's something that people your age, people my age, we're like, I don't want to have the phone in my hand all the time. Yeah, right. So you have to go find it. You have to find a podcast. Yeah. Instead of old school, like when I was on the radio. <laughs> The radio was always on. You got in the car, the radio's on. Right. I can twist the dial and find a station that I like. But right. the radio's already on. I don't have to grab my phone and open up the podcast app. And right. So, so I understand. I totally I totally hear you as far yeah. as like the podcast. Because it took me a while, and I still don't necessarily gravitate to podcasts when I hop in the car. It's uh-huh. like, oh, the radio's on, and it's playing something that I don't hate. So it's just there. Right. You know? So you you put the podcast on your phone. Yeah, and, and then the Bluetooth speakers in the car I, play yeah, yeah. it. Or when I'm at home, like Sam in the kitchen cooking dinner, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll put on Spotify and just play music. But sometimes I'll I want to I want to hear an interesting conversation. You know, I'm a I grew up in the era of interesting talk radio. Right. Uh, before we started recording, you talked about KGO in in San Francisco. Right. You know, I listened to a lot of Ron Owens when I first got here. Right. Because that guy was a legend. As he far was as great. Talk radio was concerned. Absolutely. Well, he's still alive. We shouldn't I'm talk. Sure. About him in the past tense. <laughs> Maybe one day I can get him to come on the podcast. You should with the two of you with your voices. Oh my god, <laughs> it would be great. I think he would like it up here. I think he would. I think Ron. If you know Ron Owens, <laughs> let him know. I'm getting for him. Yeah, we're looking for you, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other projects in the works we can talk about? Movies? Because as far as I know, people that write screenplays, like they write them and write them and write them and write them. Right. So you might have a whole. Right. Well, full of them. it's acting. I was booked to play in Othello. So you're like, Othello? There's no women in Othello except Desdemona, right? They're making me Montano 
the mayor of Cyprus. Because I'm kind of, I, I guess tall. you would say I'm in a Shakespearean troupe. Right. And I played the first witch in Macbeth. And that was on stage for three months in downtown San Francisco. And then it was made into a black and white, very campy film by Christopher Coppola, whose son was in it. And I'm telling you, those Coppolas are amazing. Uh, both of his sons were in it, in fact. So they're really a fun, fun group, those Coppolas. Are you doing any more work with the Groundlings down in L.A.? Oh, the Groundlings. I love the Groundlings. This is probably one of the first things you ever told me outside of like <laughs> trying to sell me wine a few years ago. You said, I'm, I'm going to be down in L.A. I'm, I have a thing with the Groundlings. And I'm like, yeah. the Groundlings, the yeah. improv troupe that yeah. is kind of yeah. a feeder team for Saturday Night Live and That's things right. like that. So you're, you're still going down there and studying well, with them. No, I'm not. It, it's really exciting. Expensive to do that, but the great thing about the groundlings and the part I pat myself on the back about is that you have to audition to study with the groundlings. And there were 16 people, I think, in my audition class, and they took eight of us. So here I am in San Francisco going, Oh God, now what do I do? You know, and I bit the bullet and I went to LA every week. Or I stayed down there. It was fantastic. And if you think about all the comedians you love, That's Melissa amazing. McCarthy, sure. uh, Will Ferrell, yeah. all these people right. were groundlings. They started there. It is so cool. The That's groundlings wild. is awesome. So no it, more screenplays? Yeah, I wrote a screenplay during COVID. It was another true story, and I needed to write it down, just to write it down, copyright it. It's has to be rewritten about a hundred times. <laughs> it's in Spanish and in English, and it's called Santa Marta, and it's a true story because I, you know, I'm crazy. You know, you know that, Mike, right? <laughs> you know that from talking to me. Oh, let's see. One other thing I did during COVID is yes. um, with, with Shakespeare, I played Gertrude in uh, Hamlet. I was Hamlet's mother. Unstoppable. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop when I die. There you right? go. Yeah. <laughs> Janet Dyer has been my guest. The Tall Mike Wine podcast was conceived, is written, produced, edited, hosted, and maintained by yours truly. I'm also the janitor. I recorded on a program called Audacity. Our host site is called Buzzsprout. The theme music was composed by Jeremy Marzen. To see what we're up to, follow me on Instagram, at TallMikeWine. Send me an email for coasters, comments, suggestions, to recommend a guest, whatever, to TallMikeWine at gmail.com. From the Vintner's Room at Nicholson Ranch Winery in Sonoma, thanks for joining me. Tell your friends. Tell Ron Owens, for now, cheers. <laughs>